0: now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
1: My guest is John Carter. John had a near-death experience where he encountered Jesus, and today we're going to learn about it. John, thank you so much for being my guest, and
0: welcome. Thank you so much. Um, It's an honor, sir, and I I look forward to explaining my uh, near-death experience personally I like to call it a death experience mm. but uh, I uh, I understand that uh, you know a lot of people call it nde so i I understand that but uh, I uh, just let me know when you want me to explain what happened to me and uh, we'll take it from there
1: all right well we're ready uh, if you like let's start on the day that you had it and go from there
0: this was in 20. Uh, 20- 20, and, you know, 2020 was a bad year for a lot of people, um, but it was particularly a bad year for me. Um, I uh, didn't realize that I had sepsis poisoning and uh, I collapsed from sepsis poisoning in my home and I didn't have a medic alert button or anything. And uh, I uh, I wasn't found for five days. Hmm. And when the police finally got to me and the emergency personnel, they rushed me to the hospital, but my organs were failing. And uh, when I got to the emergency room, um, I had serious, very serious sepsis poisoning in my, throughout my body, and it was damaging my organs. And uh, I died twice, according to the emergency room doctor. And they had to bring me back twice. And when that happened, um, I had an experience that uh, I would like to share because uh, this was an experience that changed my life. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It completely changed my life. And um, a lot of people tell me now, you know, you, you just had a medical delusion or Something of that nature. And I tell them, I said, I know the difference between, you know, dream state or medical delusion and something that was very real, something where I could use my five senses, so to speak. And uh, I, when I died, I, it's like my back was on the ceiling, if that makes any sense, in the emergency room. And I was looking down on my body and I was laying there and, uh, the doctor was, and the nurses were frantic. They seemed frantic anyway. That, and the doctor um, was getting those paddle things ready. And another nurse had this oxygen thing that was on my face. Um, and she was squeezing like this bulb. And this other nurse had a needle and she put it into my arm. And uh, the guy, the doctor said, you know, clear. And, uh, you know, I watched my chest rise up, you know, on the, uh, on the gurney. And, uh, wh- the first time that happened, I was instantly taken into a spherical tunnel. Um, it was, I guess I, it was, it was really bizarre. It was like, uh, About 20 by 20, you know, up uh, from from the bottom up to the side to side. It was about 20 feet. Okay, I'm trying to gauge it. Seemed like it was about that far. And the inside of that tunnel was showing a film on the walls of my life. And as I'm traveling through this tunnel, I'm seeing things that I've never seen before. But they were all pleasant things, all pleasant things from my life. Like when I was uh, three years old, um, my father apparently bought me one of those little metal cars that you could, uh, we're talking about 1962 here, so that was, you know, quite a while back, but he bought me this metal car for the sidewalk, and he put me in it, and You know, it was one of those little metal cars you could pedal. And I'm watching this on the wall of this spherical um, uh, tube, I guess you could say, that I'm in. And uh, when I got back from all of this, I'll explain that later. But when I got back from all of this, I asked my sister, I said, "Did, did, you know, dad buy me a little car or something, you know? And she, my older sister, confirmed it. She said, uh, "Yeah, you bought that for your third birthday." And uh, I didn't know. I mean, i completely had forgotten about that. And uh, there it was, you know, in this. So I'm traveling through this tube, and the further I get along, the worse I'm feeling. Um, I don't know if it was a sepsis or what, but I, I'm. I feel like I'm. I mean, the the pleasantness of the life that I'm looking at, you know, through the years, eight, nine, 10, 11, 14, 15, you know, moving through, I'm seeing different things that I did, you know, and, and pleasant moments in my life. Uh, you know, a girlfriend, this, that, or the other moving right through and, and my children being born, uh, you know, as I get into my twenties and my thirties, um, just really pleasant things. But oddly enough, my soul, which I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's what was traveling, it felt really thirsty and dry. I don't know why, but that's the way I felt. And when I got to the where I was about 60 years old, there was this huge white, I mean, it was light at the end of this tunnel. I should point that out. And when I finally got to that light, Um, I was about 60 years old in the sphere, and this giant veil got pulled away. This is going to sound weird, but uh, I was laying in the mud, and I could smell the earth.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm laying in the mud on my back, and I'm looking up into the sky, and it was a sky that I had never seen before. The colors, I've never seen colors like that. Um, Those colors, I don't know, you can't find them here in this realm. The colors were unbelievable. And I was in somebody's left arm. And they had me in their left arm. And I was laying on my back. And this person lifted me up enough to where I could get, I was really, really not feeling well, my soul. And this person looks over at me. And it's Jesus Christ, and he's got me in his arm. And he's got this wooden bucket there. It's like a, I don't know, like a bucket you'd use to maybe mop a floor, but it was wooden. And uh, he had a wooden spoon, like a big spoon, too. And he dipped it into this bucket, and he poured the water down my throat. And he said, in the name of my Father... And he poured it down my throat and then he took the the spoon again and he put it back into the bucket and he pulled it back out again and he put it up to my lips and he said, and the sun, and he put it in my, down my throat. And it was just, uh, Jeff, it was so refreshing. I mean, it's hard to explain, but all of a sudden I'm feeling completely refreshed and he puts it in again And this time he takes a spoon and he pours it over my head and he said, and the Holy spirit and he pours it over my head and I could feel the water running down my face. And, um, the only way to explain this, I don't know if you've ever seen the Grinch that stole Christmas at holiday time where his heart grew 50 times. That's the way I felt. Um, my heart just, I mean, my whole body was just enveloped with love the feeling of uh and i looked over into his eyes and i could i could see that he was the love so much love and compassion in his eyes and i felt so blessed and he lifted me up and i was standing next to him and he was wearing a uh, well. He was. It, um, I I tell people this, and they think you know, I'm nuts. But uh, he was wearing a uh, just a regular, like, robe you would see in Judea. You know, it wasn't wasn't full of it wasn't a full of adornments or anything or gold or anything like that. And he had a rope tied around his waist, and he had sandals on. And it looked like the Jesus we know, and I found a picture of it, believe it or not. Um, uh, I found a picture of that same face, because when I got back, I'll explain that later, I looked and looked. Man, I, I mean, I researched, because I wanted to see his face. I wanted to find it, because there's been so many different variations of Christian churches that have showed his face, and I finally found it but I'll explain that later. But anyway, uh, I looked to my left and there's this giant field and the field was full of flowers and it was like a rolling hills. I mean, those hills were just rolling and rolling and miles of it. I mean, I couldn't see into the distance. It was so far and those flowers smelled so good and Jeff, I've never seen flowers like that before, ever. I don't know where in the world you would find them. Um, there were gorgeous colors. Again, colors you would never see here in this realm. I've never seen anything like that before. And amongst all the, the, uh, the flowers, there were thousands and thousands of people. And I didn't know who they were because they were kind of off in the distance. But I looked to my left, and there was this giant, there was just one, there was this giant angel. And he had huge white wings. And when I say huge, I mean big. I mean, they were gorgeous white wings. And he had a uh, blonde hair. He had long blonde hair. And he was smiling at me. And I thought boy, who's that? You know? So I asked Jesus, I said, Jesus, who's that? And, uh, he said, that's Michael. And I said, Michael, who? And he said, that's my archangel, Michael. And he had a breastplate on and he had vestments and on his ankles, he had like, um, those, uh, I don't know, shin guards, I guess you could say type things and uh, he had a long sword, but it was sheathed, and uh, what really stood out to me were the wings, how glorious they were, I mean, they were white and they were so big and so beautiful Um, they were pure white like a um, I don't know, it was like a I mean, they were not tarnished at all, I mean, it was just They were so shiny and beautiful you know i just i try to explain that but um you know in that realm everything is different it's really strange um and i asked jesus i said i you know who that was And he said michael and i he said that's who brought you here and i said i looked at him and i said what and he said yeah he said and i said is this heaven and he said yes it is and i said jesus i said I don't know if I belong here. I was a sinner. You know, I said, I sinned every day. I, I, you know, I don't think I'm worthy to be here. I'll be honest with you. And I was serious about it. You know, I felt kind of guilty. You know, I thought I was kind of like, I felt like I was stealing something or something, you know, like, what am I doing here? You know, I mean, I'm just, who, you know, who am I, you know? And so I told him, I said, you know, Jesus, I don't think I'm worthy to be here. You know, I, you know, I probably should have sent, you probably should have sent me to that other realm if there is one. You know, I don't, I don't know, but, Mm. and he, he smiled at me and he said, John, he said, the last will be first and the first will be last. And he said, in my father's house are many mansions and I go to prepare a place not only for you and your family, but also you all of your friends and he walked me towards the crowd. And as I got up to the crowd, lo and behold, he walked me right up to my mom and dad. And there's my dad. And I was like, oh, my God, that's my dad. And he looked like he was when my dad was in his, uh, I don't know, maybe 60s. And my mom was in her 50s. Um, she had that, you know, 1970s hair, you know. And my dad had, you know, he always used that dippity-do stuff in his hair. And, <laughs> but anyway, I said, how you doing, Dad? And he said, pretty good for an old fella. He gave me the biggest hug. And, uh, you know, I, my mom, um, she was there. And she said, oh, Johnny. And she gave me the biggest hug. And I could feel so much love. And in her right arm, she had my uh, niece, And the niece was uh, Katie and she had died from a diabetic coma when she was nine years old, years ago. And uh, she was there and she said, hi, uncle Johnny. And I, I got down and I looked at her and I said, Katie, you know, I said, so nice to see you. And she gave me the biggest hug. And again, my heart just was overflowing with love inside. And, As I walked up and down, I'm seeing people that are from my family, my aunts, my uncles, my uncle, you know, Aunt Helen, my Uncle Nick, you know, he's real tall. Um, I see my Aunt Mary Margaret, and I see uh, her husband, Um, and he died relatively early, but he's up there, and I saw, uh, as I'm walking... I'm seeing all of these people. I ran into the person I was named after who died at Pearl Harbor. And his name was uh, John Kyleman, And um, he still had his sailor suit on. And I was like, he's like, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, I think I do. I said, are you John Kyleman?" And he said, yes, I'm your uncle. Hmm. And I was freaking out. You know, I was like, man, you know, and everybody was giving me a hug. Literally everybody. I mean it was hug city up there okay I mean it was great I mean I and I can't explain the love that I felt from all of these people and as I got deeper into the crowd there I started running into people that were older when I say older I'm talking about um early 20th century late 19th century where they're their their clothing was different it was little odd stuff I'd never seen before and uh I walked up to this one fella and uh he had a uh, a real nice suit on but um his tie was like a I don't know it's like a looked like one of them Colonel Sanders ties you know um black you know and he had a black suit on and He had a medal around his neck. And I said, what is that? I said, he said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, no. He said, I'm your great, great, great grandfather. And I said, what? And he said, yeah. He said, my name's Andrew. It's nice to meet you. (laughs) And he gave me the biggest hug. And I said, that's a cool medal. Where'd you get that? And he said, I got that in the Civil War. He said, I fought for the Union. And that's the victory medal. And I was like, really? (laughs) Mm. I mean, it just blew me away. Mm. Uh, And But again, I want to emphasize, when I was up there, and I'm kind of feeling it now, I mean, the love that I felt was just, oh, it was amazing. Everywhere, every person I touched, everything that, you know, as I'm brushing my legs through the flowers, I mean, everything up there. Was giving the essence of love, kindness, compassion, um, and everybody was smiling and talking and having a good time, and there was no pain or suffering or anything. It didn't appear as though there were it. There was any of that up there. And as I went deeper into the crowd, um, I met a lot of folks that were further back in my generational um, genealogy so to speak and it was really bizarre because i ran into this one guy who was dressed uh i don't know maybe like the 1500s somewhere in that category and he was pushing a sausage cart and i looked at him like you know what's going and i could smell the sausages he was pushing you know They, they smelled really pungent it smelled good you know i don't know if you ever picked up a log of sausage but it does smell good but i mean he his his cart was just full of them and he was trying to give me one and he gave me the biggest hug and he's talking in a dialect i didn't know sounded like maybe um hungarian or possibly czechoslovakian i don't know but he was trying to give me one and i waved my hand like i can't you know i can't take that i don't know why but i said i can't take that and i gave him a big hug and he smiled and went on his way. And there was, as I fur- further, there was a guy who was wearing vestments. Um, he had a, like a bucket helmet on his head and it had a cross right here. And he had a white tunic like thing on and it had a red cross right down the middle and comes this way, you know, like, like a cross you would see. And it was white with a red cross. And he had a sword and his sheath, and he had like, I don't know, what do they call that stuff from the 1500, 1400, like chain mail mm-hmm. on his uh, legs and arms. And I thought, man, you know, that guy's, he really stood out, you know, in the crowd. And I asked it, one of my relatives, I said, who is that? And he, they said, he probably fought, you know, in the in the Crusades, mm-hmm. but he's related to you. And I didn't know that. I, you know, I was freaking out, but anyway, as I, as I went further, I, you know, I ran into a lot of different people that I didn't know, folks that I, I had no clue who they were, but they were apparently relation, because they were all giving me big hugs, and uh, it got to the point where I went back through the crowd, and I caught up with Jesus, who was talking to a lot of folks, and I said, Jesus, I said, this is beautiful. You know, my whole family's up here. I said, am I going to stay up here? And he said, no, John. He said, I wanted to talk to you. And I said, what's, you know, what, what's going on? He said, he said, I'm going to send you back. And I said, why are you sending me back? Cause I didn't want to leave to be honest with you, Jeff. And he said, I'm sending you back. He said, because there's too much hate in the world right now. He said, there's a lot of hate. He said, and I'm really, really not happy with that. He said, I want people to learn to love as I love them, the same love that the innocence of a child brings. That's exactly what he said. You know, a three-year-old child at innocent love. He said, that's the way I want everyone to love one another. And I thought to myself, man, you know, how am I going to do that? You know, uh, you know it's a crazy world you know that down there you know <laughs> and so i told him i said you know what what would you want me to do and he said he said i'm going to send you back and you just tell people love one another he said and pray for those that are your enemies tell them to pray for those that are your enemies he said because love conquers evil he said you know light conquers darkness he said in love is the most important thing and he said he said i know you feel that love now he said the holy spirit now runs through you and he said it's going to be easy for you to learn different languages and he said i'm going to send you back and please whatever you do don't forget to spread this word that i'm telling you about love well you know i felt overwhelmed and i said jesus you know, who am I to do this? I said, I'm, I'm not worthy of this. Like I said, I'm a sinner. I, You know, I don't. And he said, John, he, he was like, don't even worry about that. He said, when I died on the cross, all your sins were forgiven. And, you know, I should point out also that I met a lot of interesting people up there, too. I ran into St. Francis of Assisi. um, And he was very unique in that, um, of course, he was wearing a Franciscan robe, but he had the, uh, his hands had wounds and his feet had wounds. And he had, and I, he gave me the biggest hug, but I couldn't help but notice that his wounds were like glowing in his hands and in his feet. And it was the same thing. I ran into this guy um, who I didn't know that had that. I think they call it the stigmata. And he had that too. And then since I I got back, I found out who that was. And that was this guy named Padre Pio. I didn't know who he was, but I found him uh, by researching it. But anyway, he was up there. There were a lot of people up there. I want to point something out too, Jeff. There was also people up there that were from every denomination, Christian denomination, you can think of. And maybe some you probably couldn't think of. Now, I got to say that they were all relation. So I'm doubtful that any of them were Muslims or, or any of them were, uh, you know, Buddhists or whatever the case may be. But that's not to say that they're not up there. You know, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. All I know is, is that all my relation was up there and they were the ones that greeted me when I got up there. And it was amazing that they were all together like that and that they were all enjoying each other's company and hugging each other and talking to one another. It was like being at a family reunion again, but the family reunion went back hundreds of years and, uh, Finally, at what seemed like maybe seven, eight hours of meeting people, I finally got tired, and uh, I laid down in the field, and it smelled so good, and I fell asleep, and when I woke up, um, I was in ICU, and I had a breathing apparatus in my throat, and it was down my tracheal tube i guess and i looked over and i was very weak i remember that and i looked over and there was because this was right in the height of covid and i looked over and there's my daughter with a mask on and my son with a mask on and they're both crying looking through the window at me and um the love that i felt i gave them a thumbs up you know And they smiled at me, and I could see that they were smiling through their their covering, their little N95 or whatever those things are. And uh, I I felt, you know, really, really good. Um, That's the only way I can explain it. You know, and later on, um, and I went through a series of going to different medical institutions. I... They transferred me because of COVID. They transferred me out of that hospital. They sent me up to a hospital that didn't have COVID at the time. And that was in Portage, Indiana, Regency Hospital. And I had a doctor for basically every organ, Jeff. And they worked on me and worked on me. I got my kidneys functioning properly. Cardiologists did like five echocardiograms on me. They they really went to town on me. My lungs were looked at. You know they they fixed that um they got my respiratory straightened out they got my blood pressure straightened out with medicine um pretty soon um i was sepsis free
1: mm, that's
0: good. they came in and told me they said your sepsis because they were giving me tons of antibiotics i guess that i had what's called a pick thing in my shoulder and they were giving me kidney dialysis and and so forth, all kinds of stuff, and, and uh, fortunately, at that point, I hadn't gotten COVID, but uh, they took, they said, there's a problem with your heart. Now, to me, my heart felt great after that NDE, but I guess there was a problem, so they sent me down to Indianapolis, and there, a team of heart surgeons went to work on me, And they put in a new um, aorta on my heart. They they gave me open-heart surgery. And uh, they replaced my aorta with a cow's aorta. So, you know, now I got a strong urge to graze, you know, in a field. Mm But (laughs) I'm joking. But uh, um, it was a really strange experience, though, because normally i look at people when they get out of open heart surgery and it's all they can do to get up and feel well and i felt like a million bucks when i got out of surgery seriously i mean you know my heart was like since that nde my heart was still like 50 times its size but now all the blood was flowing where it needed to go because of that change and um From there, they sent me to a place up so I'd be closer to home, a rehabilitation place up in Mishawaka, Indiana, uh, near South Bend, and they gave me COVID, Mm -hmm. if you can imagine that. Um, And uh, they sent me to this really bad nursing home, really bad. Now, I want to point out that as I'm going through all of these facilities, um, the food is not that great. Um, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm thankful because I'm alive for starters, but, uh, every now and then I would get a nurse or a doctor that wasn't up to snuff. They were, you know, overworked because of COVID or whatever the case may be. And they would come in and, and be a little testy with me. And I told him, I said, you know, I love you. You know, I just want you to know that, you know, you're my brother, you know, or sister. You know, and I love you. And I said, and I think you're doing a great job. And I just want to pass that on. I said, you people are angels, you know, and it lifted them up and made them smile. And that's what I want to do since I've been back. That's what I've been doing. I've been trying to make it a better world for everybody by telling everybody the message that Jesus gave me. That is love is what makes the world A good place to live and and to spread love amongst each other and to show love to one another. The same love that, again, like an innocent child brings to to Jesus, it's the same thing. And, you know, what a world it would be if everyone could get along. You know, like in Ukraine right now, as an example, or China and Taiwan or... Mm -hmm. You know, what a world it would be if everybody could just give a, each other a hug and say, look, you know, let's bygones be bygones and let's all love each other and be kind to one another. And that's what I'm here back here to teach, is to teach that. And sometimes I think um, I run into people that I hate to say it, but I think they're demonically possessed, you know, that are real mean. But when they'd see me now, used to be, I would have to deal with them, you know, like my, in my job, you know. Um, I would have to deal with them and, and cuff them or whatever the case may be. But now all I got to do is smile at them and tell them, look, man, you know, I don't know what you're going through, but I can feel it in my heart. And I love you, you know. Give me a hug. And boy, you know, it's like you could see the, the evilness just drain out mm-hmm. of them. You know, and I give them a hug, and and it's like, it's you know, it changes them, and that's what I—that's the kind of love I want to spread, the love of kindness and compassion and love, and that's what Jesus taught me, and He filled me with it inside. And you know, I was never a religious person prior to all of this. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't, and uh, I—you know—I I was very suspect. That's another reason when I was up there that I, I thought I shouldn't be there because I was very suspect of the Bible and, you know, believing in Jesus Christ and all of this stuff. I thought, man, you know, it could that be real? But now if somebody asks me, you know, um, I had a guy ask me, for instance, he said, how do you know that Jesus is real? You know, and that story is real. He said, there's no evidence to that effect. And I said, well, let's look at it from a different point of view. And Jeff, I don't know where I got this from. Honestly, it just popped into my head. <laughs> I mean, I'd never thought this way before. But I said, back in Judea 2,000-plus years ago, I said, how many guys, carpenters, poor carpenters, I said, how many poor carpenters do you think lived there? And uh, the guy said, I don't know, maybe two, 300, 400. I said, that's a good ballpark figure. I don't know either. You know, I don't think anybody knows. I said, but how is it that one poor carpenter, one poor carpenter changed the entire face of humanity? And he has over 3 billion, with a B, billion followers on Earth. How can that be? And he said, you know what? He said, you got a point. He said, I never looked at it from that way. And again, I want to emphasize, I don't know where I got that from, but I, I just popped into my head you know, I ran into one guy that said, uh, you know, and I, I, i I've talked to people a lot about this, this experience. And one fellow said, he, he said, uh, you believe in the, you, you Christians believe in the Trinity. And I said, well, I said, you know, I, I don't know that much about it, but I, he said, look, he said. You know, three cannot equal one. He said three can equals three, you know. And again, Jeff, I don't know where I got this from, but I had a cup of water. You know, I was at a restaurant with him, a cup of water, and I said, watch. And I poured a one drop on the table, and then I poured another drop on top of that drop, and then I poured another drop on top of that drop. And I said, see, three can become one. And he was like, his eyes just like, I mean, he was like, oh, my God. And I said, yeah. I said, see, I said, that's, you know, that's what we believe, you know, the Trinity. That's that's, that's it. And uh, again, I don't know, <laughs> I would have never learned that anywhere else if it wasn't for when Jesus said in the Holy Spirit and he poured that over my head, it gave me a lot of um, head sense, I guess you could say, about teaching, about teaching his word and teaching love and teaching compassion and kindness, you know, and, and like I said, my heart grew 50 times its size. And now that, you know, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'd like to go back. I mean, I'm in no hurry to die. Don't get me wrong, but. I'll be honest with you. I know where I'm going and it's exciting now. I'm not afraid of death at all. Mm. It was like, uh, now I'm like, wow. You know, but anyway, I, this place gives me COVID rehabilitation place. They send me to this really bad nursing home. Um, really bad. I mean, they didn't even take care of you there. I got real sick there. I got a double, double pneumonia with COVID and they shipped me back, guess where? Back down to Indianapolis again. Same hospital I had to heart surgery. They put me in COVID ICU. I was that sick. And this was right in December of 2020. And I mean, people were dying from COVID. Jeff, it was crazy down there. Nurses, doctors were working 12 hours a day. I mean, and they were wearing these like strange looking suits um that had like an oxygen thing on the back of it well anyway i noticed that in in icu that when they would intubate somebody which means put the thing down their throat that like two or three days later the blue light would go off and they would die and and they couldn't always bring them back and i was so sad about that and i said you know you know like i said you know what you people are doing is, is, is unbelievable. And, and you're all angels. I said, but of course I was trying to lift them all up because they were so tired, most of them. And, uh, they always felt really sad after they lost a patient, which I guess is normal. And, and, uh, I asked the nurse, I said, uh, cause Jeff, they were dying like crazy and they wanted to innovate me too. Cause I was really sick. And I said, Oh no, <laughs> I said, no, you're not doing that to me. And they said why not and i said because i said i want i want remdesivir that's what i told him i said i want remdesivir and they said remdesivir and i said yeah that's what president trump had i said that's what got him well i said that's what i want and the doctor said okay we'll try it so he put it into that pick line and i actually confirmed it i looked up and i saw it on the bag. it was hanging there it said remdesivir well pretty soon my lungs started coughing up all of this stuff and I had a suction tube and I'm sucking it all up and it's all coming up. And I don't know, maybe a half a month later, my blood pressure, my oxygen, um, my lungs, my respiratory, everything was just as it should be. My lungs were clear. They sent me down to a lower COVID place. I still had COVID. So they sent me down to another level where, where I was asymptomatic, they said. And, um, and then they sent me to a rehabilitation place down in Indianapolis, real nice place for my heart. Um, and it was physical training to get back on your feet because when I was in the hospital for close to nine months and I had lost all my muscle mass in my legs and in my arm, I had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to mus- get muscles in my arms again. And I'm still working on my balance to this day. But it's like kind of learning all over again. Mm. And I had to go through a lot of therapy, a lot of Mm. therapy. But I really pushed myself, Jeff, because I knew I had to get that message out that Jesus gave me. And so I pushed myself in rehabilitation. I told them if they wanted me to do 30 reps on a machine, I'd do 40 because I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to go home. Well, April of 2021 rolls around. I'm still in there, but I'm working on it. And I got well enough to where I could walk about 300 feet with a walker. And they said, okay, you're ready to go home. And I was like, wow. So my son-in-law came and picked me up. I got home. I was still a little little dicey getting around the house, but it, I managed it. I was able to manage it. And uh, I could cook for myself. I had a wheelchair uh, they had my daughter and son in law had moved everything inside the home down to where I could reach it, and uh, they completely redid the inside of the home and made it disability friendly and um, that was really nice of them to do kind kind thing to do and i I felt like a million bucks when I got back in the house here but uh, i uh since i've been home i've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. and um, I was on a different podcast for my NDE, and a lot of people um, were very happy to see the message. Um, the message got through to close to 69,000, 70,000 viewers, mm. and um, I was really happy about that because for even if I could just get the one person and explain to them the importance of loving your neighbor and loving your loving people around you loving, you know, and if somebody's really cruel to you or mean to you, pray for them and, and let them know that you care, you know, and, and, and have some compassion for people because not everybody's having a good day out there. And, uh, I, I'll be honest with you every day. I'm vertical. Now I'm a happy camper. Mm,
1: It's great.
0: Ever since (laughs) this. And, uh, but I, I, I'll also be honest with you when I say, I I can't wait to go back. Yeah,
1: Well, it's common. John, thank you for sharing your experience with us. And I would like to take you back to the beginning and maybe ask you some questions about it. Sure. When you first had your experience, you were in the hospital, you had sepsis. Mm -hmm. Did you just like happen to lose consciousness and then basically you died or how did you? Well,
0: what happened was, is I was at home and I went to stand up from my bed and I collapsed and I knocked a table over. All I can remember from that is that I reached for my medic alert button, but it wasn't there because they took me off Medicaid. So I didn't have it and I fell and collapsed. And I woke up about five days later, really, really sick in the dark. And I was reaching around for my phone and I found it. And I dialed 911, and they came through the window of my home because my front door was locked. They came through the bedroom window, police officer opened the front door fire department and rescue personnel came in and they got me and I was so sick that I could barely remember any of that and when I got to the emergency room boy they went to work on me I mean it was like really crazy frantic and all of a sudden when I got to the emergency room I don't know what they gave me but my heart shut down and everything just went black Mm. you know I mean I just boom like that you know and and that's when I felt my back on the ceiling and I'm looking down.
1: All right. That kind of clears but it up for me. You mentioned that when you were going through the tunnel, you saw things that you either didn't remember or you never saw before. Yes. Can you remember or can you tell us some of the other things that you saw?
0: Sure. Um, I remember a girl that I dated um, when I was about 18 years old and I. I'll be honest with you. I thought I was going to be with this girl for the rest of my life. You know how it is when you're 18, you know, you, you, you have a love and you think you're going to be with that person for the rest of your life. And, uh, I was single at the time and, and, uh, but I had some really pleasant and nice memories with that girl. And, uh, there she is, you know, I mean, on the wall, me and her, or, you know, on the beach where we used to go and running down the beach and having fun and, you know that I saw all of that. I did, there were many instances. Uh, for instance, uh, I was—I I saw. It's going to sound weird, but I saw when I was sitting in the waiting room when my son was born. Because back then, if a woman had a C-section, um, they didn't let the man in back in the early '80s. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in the waiting room, nervous, very nervous. And back then. I think we talked about this earlier, but back then they had, I know it's going to sound crazy. They had in the chair, they had the ashtray right there. And this is a hospital. Okay. And uh, I'm smoking a pack of cigarettes because my wife is having our baby and our baby. And, you know, the doctor comes out, he's got blood all over the front of him. And he said, "Uh, you got a son, Mr. Carter. And Oh, I was so happy. You know, so happy. I started passing out. Blue cigars to everybody in the mm-hmm. hospital. You know, I was running down the house I was so happy. And uh I know people probably think I'm nuts, but you know, it really was a pleasant experience in my life. And I got a chance to see him through the through the uh the glass thing where you can see babies, you know, and they were changing him. And they let me in there actually to rock him in a rocking chair. Mm-hmm. And that was really pleasant. And I saw that Jeff, you know, and those were pleasant memories, just great memories from my life.
1: I think you said it, the whole experience over there lasted about seven or eight hours. Seemed like it. But probably on this side, how long do you think you were gone for a few minutes? Two seconds. Two seconds.
0: The time over there, I've learned this. The time over there is completely different than the time here. What may be a fraction of a second or a second here can be hours on end there. And it's really weird, but it's a whole different realm, a whole different realm. Now, a lot of people have asked me, well, what about, you know, these other places? What about purgatory or what about hell? Or, you know, I can't account for that. I don't know. I didn't go there. I don't know if there's there or not. You know, I really don't. Um, but I know this much: there, there are bad people in this world. We we all see that every day on the news. Um, there are a lot of bad people in this world that that do things that are that are unsavory, so to speak, or very evil. And uh, it's those folks that I want to reach out to the most. People like, you know, Putin over there in Russia, or. You know, President Xi in China or, you know, I'd like to I'd like to sit down with them and say, look, you know, you guys need to learn to love, you know, Mm -hmm. you you shouldn't hate people or, you know, think that, you know, grabbing land is something that's important. That's not important here. What's important here is that we love one another and that we make this whole life a pleasant experience for one another. That's what's important. And, uh, you know, if I could get through to them and talk to them about that, I think I, don't know, I think it might, might make a difference. But, you know, that's an that's another story, I guess, for another day. But mm-hmm. um, in the meantime, I'm trying to do that with a lot of folks, you know, by getting on these podcasts and trying to get that message out that love is extremely important. How
1: about the reality of the place? Did it feel over there like that place was more real than here and here is the dream?
0: It wasn't, a, I, you know, I know what a dream state feels like. I've certainly had a lot of dreams like a lot of folks, but uh, it wasn't a really a dream state. It felt very real. It felt like um, when you step outside your front door and you feel the wind, you know, And you feel the fresh air. Um, And it's a whole different environment than your living room that you walked out of. That's the way it felt. It felt like I was in a completely different realm. And everything, I want to emphasize, everything smelled so good. Smelled Mm. so nice. And everybody smelled so nice. And, And Jesus, you know... I want to emphasize that when I looked into his eyes, I saw something I'd never seen before, never, you know, I've never seen so much love. I mean, it just gripped me mm-hmm. that love. And, and I haven't, I, I haven't changed. Uh, I mean, I haven't changed since I got back. I, I, I feel that so strongly now that I have to share it.
1: Now, you said you weren't a religious person before. No. Do you consider yourself a religious person now or spiritual or what?
0: I consider myself a person who's trying to teach. Look, I'm not going to tell people that they need to believe in Jesus. Um, I don't think that's a um, I don't think it's fair for me to do that because people are going to believe what they're going to believe. But I do share my experience with people and I say, you know, look, you know, Jesus is very real for me because I was there and I got a chance to talk to him. And I certainly wasn't worthy to talk to him because, you know, he's the, the king of kings of the universe. But I I certainly wasn't worthy. But I don't know why he picked me out of the, anybody. But here I am. And uh, I so I started to, you know, I felt like I didn't feel worthy when I was up there to be, to be in his presence. And that's when he said, he knew that. And he said, he looked at me and he said, John, the last will be first. And the first should be last, you know, and I didn't know what that meant. Cause I, you know, I didn't read the Bible, what that meant. So when I got back, I kind of looked it up in the Bible and he did say that hmm. in the Bible. And I was like, wow, you know, I didn't know that. And uh, so I'm not a religious person per se. Um, My religion is to teach everyone that I run into to lift them up and make them feel good about themselves and love them and show compassion towards them and let them know that I'm their friend in Christ. But I'm their friend.
1: And I'm not
0: going to, you know, I'm not going to you know, dally around the fact that they may not believe in Christianity or, you know, if I run into a Buddhist monk, um, I'm going to love him just as much as I am anyone else. You know, if I run into somebody who's a, a mullah from the Muslims, I'm going to give him a hug and tell him, you know, Jesus loves you. And so do I. And please, you know, love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the, that's the message that's important here. Have, and that's the message I'm trying to get through to folks.
1: Since you've been back, have you tried to look up any of the people that you saw while you're over there? Like rediscover your family tree?
0: Yeah, I did. I, uh, I saw people that I had completely kind of forgot about. I also saw my sister's. My sister has lost two sons to drugs, you know, and her, she lost her husband as well to a chemical explosion in 1989. He was a pipe fitter and he got blown like 60 feet, you know, and got killed and she had to raise three boys on her own. And two of the boys have since crossed over. And I saw three of them when I was up there and I was like, Whoa, you know, and I was great friends with her husband, Bob, and I saw him. You know, and he still had a welder's cap on. Hmm. And he said, how you doing, John? And he said, man, I missed you. That's what he said. Gave me a biggest hug. And I gave her son, Michael, a big hug. And I gave her son, Joey, a big hug. And, uh, you know, they were. And I ran into people that I I didn't think I was going to run into ever. I ran into one of my friend's parents, a close friend's parents. Uh, Why would I do? You know, they're not family, but here they are. And they said thank you for protecting our daughter, and I was like okay. And I gave them a big hug, and they were like, "We mean it, you know." Thank you, they said. And uh, I I met a fella that, uh, uh, well, I kind of got a crush on a girl, and and uh, I met up. I met her dad, who had passed away, and he said, "I hope she finds you." Hmm. You know, he said because. I know that you'll take great care of her and that you'll protect her. And I thought, man, you know, I got to get that message to her soon. And since I've been back, I have. Hmm. But uh, unfortunately, she hasn't taken the bait.
1: <laughs> well, how have your friends and family reacted since you've been back?
0: Well, uh, my family's been very supportive. Very supportive. My older sister in particular. But I told my older brother... I saw his daughter, you know, the one that had the diabetic coma and he cried, you know, he cried tears of joy. And that made me just made me feel like a million dollars inside because she was so beautiful. And, you know, she was an angel when she was in this realm. I mean, she was such a cute little girl and to have something like that happen is, is, you know, really sad. And, uh, frankly, not necessary, but it happened and, And uh, there she is in my mom's arms, and my mom was, of course, was very loving lady, and she, and especially later on in her life, she was very loving, and she. uh, It's only it stands to reason that she would have Katie in her right arm, you know. Um, That's the way I look at it now. Hmm. Um, I, I ran into people also like uh, aunts and uncles that I I had kind of completely forgot about. I ran into my uncle Tom. And he always wore suspenders for some reason. And I ran into his wife, Dorothy, who was a really nice lady. And she was an aunt of mine on my mom's side and really nice. Mm -hmm. And I ran into my Aunt Bobie. Oh, this is a funny story. I ran into my Aunt Bobie, and that was from my dad's side. And uh, she gave me a big hug, and she was always really kind. And I said, Aunt Bobie, do you remember when I was seven years old and I've, we were visiting you down in Missouri, I said, and you gave me a Pop-Tart, a cherry Pop-Tart, and she, I was only seven years old. And she said, yes, I do remember that. And I said, you know what? I said, that was the, the tastiest thing I had ever had in my life when I was seven years old, up until that point. And that was when they first came out, you know, Pop-Tarts, back in 1967. Mm. And she laughed, and she thought that was so funny and that's the way it is up there everybody's laughing and having a good time and it's so pleasant Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's well i hate to say it but it it's like a party up there. everybody's you know and i i didn't see streets of gold or anything but i'm sure they're up there somewhere jesus Mm -hmm. said there's a lot of mansions i didn't see those but um i'm sure they're up there somewhere i mean the, the hills rolled and rolled and rolled you know deep into the the horizon So, you know, I don't know what, you know, was way back there, but I know that in my presence, there was probably, I want to say, and this is an educated guess, but a ballpark figure, I would say maybe five, 6,000 people in this field. Now, there there were that many. I mean, it was just packed full of people. And they were all relation. Hmm. Or they were friends, relation of friends. I ran into a lot of people like that too, you know. I ran into a girl who's been friends of mine since high school, and her husband died, um, died in a automobile accident, and his name was Brian, and he had a mustache and a kind of thin fella, and he gave me a big hug, mm-hmm. and said, so, "John, it's nice to meet you." And he said, "I want to thank you," and I said, "Thank me for what?" I said, "Who are you, first of all?" He said, I'm Brian. I, he said, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, you know, um, you're, well, you know, he, he went on to say that he was the husband of uh, my good friend. And, and it just, I was, I was dumbfounded. And I, I gave him the biggest hug and he said, thank you for protecting her and looking mm-hmm. out for her. Mm-hmm. And I told her that and she cried because she really loved the fellow. Hmm. you know
1: well John I'm running out of time so one thing I want to ask you is if people want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chit chat with you are you open to that absolutely
0: please do
1: what's the best way to reach you
0: Um, you can reach me um, if you need to be lifted up and you need love and compassion and you need to learn how to teach that to others you can reach me at my email uh, which is, uh, I know it's going to sound silly, but because that was the email I had before all of this happened, but uh, John Carter of Mars 78 at gmail.com. Again, that's John Carter of Mars 78 at gmail.com. And if they want to leave a phone number or they w- ask if they want to see the picture I have of Jesus. I'll be glad to send them that same picture that I found that is Jesus. I have that picture, and I, I, I found it. I researched and researched and researched. Man, I tell you, I was I really got into that, and uh, I finally found it, and I was so happy. And I think it was Jesus that let me find it, but um, it was his way of saying, you know, show it to everybody. So I, I can show that to folks if they need to see it, what he looks like what he really looks like Mm -hmm. in real life. And, and I want to point out something too. And that is that Jesus, you know, the Jesus I met, you know, he wasn't adorned with a crown or white vestments, or, you know, he was dressed very kind of paltry. Be honest with you, he was very poor. Like, uh, just like a guy, you know, back in Judea would have been dressed uh, 2000 years ago. And of course, he had that wounds in his hands and they mm-hmm. glowed and mm-hmm. the wounds in his feet and they glowed and the wounds in his side and it glowed and it's the same thing with those two two other guys that i met you know they had the the hands but uh you know saint francis was kind of neat because uh he had uh, you know the, the the monastery type brown vestment on mm-hmm. and uh again he didn't look you know, wasn't adorned in anything gloryful, or you know, I didn't see any streets of gold or anything. I know that a lot of people talk about that. They may be up there. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't want to downplay it, but right. Um, I'm just happy uh, that number one that I'm alive. Every day when I wake up, I thank God and I say thank you, Jesus, for giving me another day. You know, and now I want to spread the good word.
1: Do you have anything that you would like to promote, like a website or anything in general?
0: No, I don't. I wish I did. I don't know how to make a website. But um, I what I try and do is reach out to folks. And I've had an opportunity to do that many, many times, especially with a lot of folks who are uh, feeling suicidal or feeling um, very ill or uh, things of that nature. You know, I talk to them and and try and make them feel good about themselves and try and lift up their soul and let them know that Jesus loves them and so do I mm-hmm. and that they have a friend here. right? And uh, you know what they say, a friend in need is a friend indeed. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you let your light shine, you know, it's just like the song if you let your little light shine, you know, all the darkness runs away, all the evil runs away. But you gotta let that light shine.
1: All right, John. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message?
0: Yes um jesus told me to tell everyone and this is the message jesus told me to tell everyone love your neighbor as you love as i love you and i love everyone on earth there's too much hate in the world everyone needs to learn to love one another i'll be back soon learn to love one another and be kind to one another. And that's the message he told me to sell. Mm. And since I got back, man, I've been really talking to folks about it. I talked to nurses about it, doctors. I prayed with them. I, you know, I mean, it's been a real good experience since I've been back. But I'll be honest with you, um, I want to go back someday. (laughs) Because it was It was nice.
1: John, thank you for that message, and thank you so much for being my guest today. I really, You're welcome. I really appreciate you, and I wish you the best.
0: Thank you so much, Jeff. And may God bless you, and, and, and uh, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. To get that message out.
1: Thank you, and God bless you. Have a great rest All of right. your day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara Podcast.